Welcome to the Hills Baptist Podcast. We're so glad you're joining us as we see Jesus glorified, lives transformed and hope revealed in the Adelaide Hills and beyond. We hope you enjoy this message. I want to preach a message today, which I'm calling Stuck in the Mud. And uh, it's coming out of, there's a lot behind it. Um, I, I managed to have some holidays about a month ago where we got away to Queensland as a family and had a wonderful time. But when you get away, you tend to get a little bit more time to think and to process. And I just really felt like the Lord dropped some stuff on my heart for our church, for the church that we are a part of. Uh, here at Hills Baptist, a, a word in season for, for us. And so I just felt really strongly to, to bring a word of encouragement today um, for the times that we are stuck. And so let's go to Psalm, chap, uh, Psalm 40. I'm going to read the whole thing. It's a longish psalm, so enjoy. Let it wash over you. And then we'll pray and we'll let the Lord say what He wants to say. Psalm 40, I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and the mire. And he set my feet upon a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. What a great promise, hey? He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him. Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, who does not look to the proud, to those who turn aside to false gods. Many, Lord my God, are the wonders you have done, the things you have planned for us. None can compare with you. Were I to speak and tell of your deeds, they would be too many to declare. Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but my ears you have opened burnt offerings and sin offerings you did not require. Then I said, here I am. I have come. It is written about me in the scroll. I desire to do your will, my God. Your law is within my heart. I proclaim your saving acts in the great assembly. I do not seal my lips, Lord, as you know. I do not hide your righteousness in my heart. I speak of your faithfulness and your saving help. I do not conceal your love and your faithfulness from the great assembly. So do not withhold your mercy from me, Lord. May your love and faithfulness always protect me. For troubles without number have surrounded me. My sins have overtaken me and I cannot see. They are more than the hairs of my head and my heart fails within me. Be pleased to save me, Lord. I love that line. Be pleased to save me, Lord. Come quickly, Lord, to help me. How many of you know Jesus was pleased to save his people? May all who want to take my life be put to shame and confusion. May all who desire my ruin be turned back in disgrace. May those who say to me, aha, aha, be appalled at their own shame. But may all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. May those who long for your saving help always say, the Lord is great. But as for me, I am poor and needy. May the Lord think of me. You are my help and my deliverer. You are my God. Do not delay. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that you are our help and our deliverer. We thank you that you are the one who pulls us out of the muck and the mire. You are the one who sets our feet upon a solid rock. Lord, 
there is a lot happening in our world at the moment and there's a lot happening in individual lives. We all have things that seek to suck us in. We all have things that seek to keep us from the firm foundation that we know is ours in you. Lord, today I pray that you would encourage the saints, that you would stir us up toward love and good deeds, that you would uh, breathe upon your church, Lord. Uh, Those who need encouraging would be encouraged. Those who uh, need strengthening would be strengthened. Those here who are running well, Lord, would just be spurred on to continue in that race. We love you, Lord. We praise you. We thank you. May your word do what your word always does. May it pierce our souls. May today not just be another Sunday service, another sermon that I've listened to and forget about. May this be a word in season that goes deep and bears fruit, we pray. In Jesus' name and all God's children said, Amen. Amen. Uh, A couple of months ago, I celebrated the 20th anniversary of my full licence as a driver. (laughs) I know, I know. It's a bit scary, it's a bit frightening. But um, a part of that process was I got the letter because I just tried to renew it online and I got the letter saying, no, you have to come in for another photo. And that's when you know you've been at it for a while because you have to, every sort of 10 years, you've got to go in and get, get the photo. And so I went in and got the photo and then got my license. And it got me thinking about way back in the day when I got my L's. Anyone remember that, those good old days of getting your L plates? And I remember that uh, I used to drive my mum's my car. It was a 1993 red Mazda 323. And it was a manual, Right. And so I wasn't allowed to drive dad's car. I had to, dri- I had to drive mum's car. I was learning in mum's car. But all of my lessons were in uh, an automatic. So I paid the lesson to do the lesson with a lady called Iris. And I jump in, I do my lessons in the automatic. So my, my practice, the, the, you know, the official part of learning to get my license was happening in automatic, but reality was happening back here in a manual. <laughs> So I did a lot more driving in the automatic than I ever did in the manual. But every time I got in the manual, it didn't seem to go as smoothly as when I used to get into the automatic. Anybody with me who learned in an automatic slash manual. And there were days when you're driving along and you've got it in first and you know you've got to try and lift that clutch and put the accelerator down, which now seems so simple. But back as a 16-year-old, you're like... and. You know, your dad's, get your foot off the clutch, get your foot off the clutch. So you take your foot off the clutch and you hop along. And the next thing you know, you're stalled between Goodwood Road and Cross Road, right in the middle of an intersection. And there's people everywhere beeping at you. And then you start bunny hopping further and trying to get around the corner. Like, it's a real adventure trying to learn. And because I, because I was learning at home in the manual and doing my lessons in the automatic, it meant by the time I fully got my P's, I actually still wasn't completely comfortable in the manual but now I had the right to drive it on my own. Anybody? (laughs) And so, and I was a bit slow in sort of getting my my official piece. So just before my 17th birthday, I had um, what I'm going to call a lady interest, a female interest. Uh, And there was a number of people who were around at our house. We did this thing called day camp at our old church. And so people would come at the end of each day and hang out at our house. And she was there with a bunch of other friends but she didn't have a lift home. And so I said to mum, mum, can, you know, can I drop this person home? And I'd never really driven the 1993 Red Mazda 323 manual all by myself. There'd always been someone else in the car. 
And to my surprise, mum said, yes. So I was like, yes, <laughs> this is my moment, you know. Here I am driving the car, lady in the front, feeling pretty good about life and things all by my, you know, my fine self, going to drop her home and impress her. And so I'm like, you beauty. So I'm like, let's go. So she gets out and about to hop in the car. I'm about to hop in the car. And I have this very faint memory of my father. And I can't tell you exactly what he said, but it went something like this. If you crash the car, I'll crush you. Something like that. (laughs) I'm not entirely sure of the language, but it was along those lines of whatever you do, don't let your ego get in the way of, you know, responsibility, all those sorts of things. So anyway, there I go. I'm off. I've got this girl in the front, I'm there, and I'm driving along Cross Road, heading up towards Port Rush Road, because she lived out the back of kind of Glen Osmond, behind the Glen Osmond Fire Station, up near Seymour College up there. So I turn left onto Port Rush Road, everything's going swimmingly, I'm feeling good about life, put the indicator on to turn right, and her street, it just, if you know that area, it kind of just goes straight up, right? Now, now, if I drive it, It's not an issue. Like, it it doesn't seem that, it's steep, but it doesn't seem that steep. But back then, when I'm in the 1993 Red Mazda 3T3 manual, I'm like, this thing's a mountain, right? (laughs) So I compose myself. I'm like, this is a steep hill, but I know what to do. I'm in first, I'm in first, second, third, fourth, go. (laughs) All of a sudden, instead of the engine going, the engine goes, (laughs) and the car starts bopping and I've got people behind me and I'm like, what do I do? And I'm freaking out and I try and crunch it back into third gear and then the car just bumps along and these people are behind me tooting at me and flinging past me and the next thing I know, I have come to a bunny hopping standstill in the middle of the road. And there we are, me, the girl, the 1993 Red Mazda 3.2.3, and my father's voice somewhere back here and my dignity somewhere back on Portrush Road at a standstill in the middle of the street. And I remember sitting there and thinking to myself, oh dear, we're still about a kilometre, kilometre and a half away from her house. I know what I need to do, but I'm not sure I can do it. What do I do? And I'm sitting there as cars are flinging past, driving up. They're just going up the hill as if it's, you know, scooping ice cream, that simple. And she's sitting in the seat next to me and she says to me, and she's obviously being very kind, she looks at me and she goes, Dave, is it broken? (laughs) (laughs) And And me, trying to impress her, had a couple of moments that I'm not proud of. The first one is I looked at her and said, you know what, yeah, I think it might be. Uh, you know, it, 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 might be the, uh, it might be the air intake or the, uh, you know, you just make stuff up. I don't know anything about cars. So you just say words like compressor and then people think, you know, what you're talking about. So I just said, yep, yeah, I reckon it might be broken. She goes, well, what should we do? And I said, do you know what? Again, I'm not proud of this moment. I said to her, I reckon you should probably get out. <laughs> if you could see Judy's face right now. <laughs> And she looks at me and she goes, you want me? Remember, we're like courting at this phase. She goes, you want me to get out? And I went, yep. 
yep, that I think I want you to get out. She goes, you want me to get out? You want me to, like, just walk home by myself? I went, that's exactly what I want you to do. And I said, you know what? You, you walk home, I'll put this thing in neutral and I'll just, I'll just roll back. And as I roll back, maybe, maybe it'll fix itself and I'll be able to start it on the flats. So she gives, gives, hops out, gives me this look, just sort of stands there and watches as I put the hazard lights on. <laughs> Cars going past, I'm in neutral, and I just sort of wave at her and just roll back down the hill. Find a place to kind of reverse in, start it on the flats, drove home. Needless to say, <laughs> needless to say, that was not the girl who I married. And <laughs> that relationship didn't get much past first gear, if we were to put it that way. Didn't last very long. It's funny because I was thinking about it. I'm like, man, you know, we all get stuck from time to time, don't we? In that moment, there I am driving along. Everything seems to be going swimmingly. It seems to be pretty easy and straightforward. And then all of a sudden, a few stresses come in place. A few uncertainties come into the mix. There's, you know, people behind me. There's voices in my head. There's all stuff going on. And I just flip out. I'm like, I don't know what to do, even though actually I did know what to do. I'd gone through the process. I knew I had to drop it down the gears. I knew I had to get the engine revs up. I knew what was required. I knew I just needed to go back to the basics in order to get that thing moving. But when you are in the midst of it, sometimes it's hard to remember. And sometimes because of the noise around us, Instead of just going back to basics, we get stuck. And I'm not talking about driving a car anymore. I'm talking about life and faith. I wonder if there's anyone here sitting in this room over the course of life where you've had moments where instead of going back to the basics, instead of dropping it back to first and just revving that engine and just getting things going again, you found yourself stuck in the middle of the road with a whole lot of voices and a whole lot of noise thinking to yourself, what do I do now? I've been there. Anybody? We all get stuck from time to time. And if those of you who didn't put your hand up, well, let me tell you, John the Baptist got stuck. And so you may not have been stuck yet, but a day will come when you will. Because if John the Baptist, some of you didn't hear me. I said John the Baptist got stuck. The guy who said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The guy of whom Jesus said, there is no greater prophet like the greatest prophet, the most significant man of God other than Jesus, the one who foreshadowed Jesus in his moment of trial in a prison, sends word and says to Jesus, are you the one who is to come? You're like, hang on, I'm stuck. I thought you were going to come and knock down prison doors, Jesus. I thought you were going to come and set captives free. I thought you were going to do all, this is what it says in the word. Why are you not doing that in my life right now? John the Baptist got stuck. Now, if John the Baptist gets stuck and Jesus sends him word and he's like, you know, he quotes Isaiah 35 and then says, blessed are those who are not offended in me. If John the Baptist gets stuck, you and I are going to get stuck from time to time. And when we're stuck, we need encouragement. And I felt over the course of my holidays, there is so much happening in our world. As as Western society even, as the church here in the Adelaide Hills, we have been through, you know, two years of crazy with COVID. As a church here at Hills Baptist, you would have heard a couple of weeks ago, we've got a church plant happening. 
We've got seeking land and property in Mount Barker. We've got potentially a rec centre thing happening. We've got staffing changes. There is a lot happening. And there's a lot of reasons and a lot of things as to why we might get stuck. And the Lord just led me to this beautiful psalm, Psalm 40, with this encouragement for those who are stuck in the muddiness of life. Because we all get stuck from time to time. You know, David wrote this psalm at the end of his life. And I love it because David looks back and it's like he's reflecting on life. And if you look at the, the structure of the language, sometimes he's writing like he's post tense. You know, he's, he's writing from the past. And then sometimes he's writing as if it's present tense. And then sometimes he's writing as if it's future tense. So it's like he's, he's just reflecting on life and he's talking about how he was stuck and God got him out. And then he's talking about what's happening in his life. Now he's talking about the future that he has and almost prophetic with the Messiah coming. It's this beautiful psalm, but all of it speaks so powerfully to what it means for us as the church to come back to basics. And I want to bring up a few things from this psalm today. And I'm going to tell you right now, I'm not going to say anything you haven't heard before. Nothing. You got, you're going to have heard this before. But just maybe it's something you need to hear again. Because we all get stuck from time to time. What is the Word of God to the people of God for moments when we feel like we're in the mud and we've got to get our feet back on the rock. What does it look like to come back to basics? What does it look like to drop it back to first, pull the handbrake, give it a bit of juice and get going on that road again? And one of the tricks that can happen in life, especially in the church, is we, we believe a lie that the church is for people who have it all together. And so we come into church and we see the people with their hands raised and we see the people who are excited. And we, it feels a bit like those cars that are just flying up that mountain. You know, they're just going up the mountain of God and it seems so easy for them. And we can believe a lie where we go, well, why is it so easy for them? It's like, does God favour them more than He favours me? Why does, why does their life seem to just be so good? Why can they access the presence of God? Why do they hear Him so clearly? And here I am stuck in the middle of the road. But that's a lie that the enemy wants the church to believe because the reality is everybody will get stuck from time to time. It's just that some people have learnt to drop it back to first, to go back to the basics and to keep walking and we've maybe forgotten. It's time to come back to basics. Amen. And so here's what we're going to do. I'm going to pull out a few things from Psalm 40 just to encourage us this morning, yeah? just to encourage us afresh for when we're stuck in the mud. First and foremost, what do we do? How do we get unstuck? Number one, Psalm 40 verse one, I waited patiently. Someone say patient. Wait patiently. The Christian life is a marathon, not a sprint. It is more important about how we finish than how we start. I've told this story so many times where I ran a marathon a couple of years ago and as I was running along, I was running with this beautiful man right here, our treasurer, and we're running along. I think we got to about the 32K mark and for us, we felt great early and we were like, should we go faster? By 32Ks, we were not feeling that way 
And we had this dear lady who probably, was she 60? I think she was 60 running her 50th marathon. I remember I said to Anth, I said, far out, this is a long run. And she did this. She goes, sure is, boys. (laughs) As she ran straight past us. I looked at her and I thought, I know I'm fitter than her. Why is she going faster than me? And so we kind of held with them for a couple of Ks and got chatting and she just started talking about it. It's her 50th marathon. She's like, I've learned how to run this race. I've learned how to run it. Don't go too quick at the beginning. Find your pace and just keep moving. And she held the steady pace the entire way, finished, walked off with a smile on her face. <laughs> we were, <laughs> I had chafing and bleeding down my legs. I'm like, oh, I won't go into details, but it was ugly. She knew how to run the race because she was patient. Sometimes we have to realise it's a marathon, not a sprint. Wait patiently for the Lord. If you don't get your answer right now, keep praying. Keep praying. Keep waiting on God. Wait on God. It is a marathon, not a sprint. I love Hebrews 10, 36. Do not throw away your confidence. It holds a great reward. You need to be patient or you need to persevere so that having done the will of God, you will receive what He has promised. Matthew 7, Jesus says, Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be open. Ask and you will receive. Do you know that's written in the context of the road of faith? He's saying, keep asking, keep knocking, keep searching. Don't stop and I will provide what you need in season to keep going. Wait Patiently, patiently wait on the Lord. Keep crying out. Don't give in. Don't give in. Keep praying. Keep seeking. Number two, prioritise praising God with the people of God. Look at verse three to six. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many, everyone say many, will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in Him. Verse 4, he says, Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, who does not look to the proud or turn, to those, turn aside to false gods. It's this encouragement to say, hey, be with the people of God and keep praising God with the people of God. When we're stuck, the first thing we want to do is withdraw. When we're stuck and we're struggling, the very first like inclination is, well, I'm just going to stay home today because I don't feel like being with people who have it all together. Guess what? Again, that's the lie of the enemy. There's not a single person in this room who has it all together. Heck, the gospel is like the church is the one place in the world where we actually celebrate that fact. Everyone else, every other organisation is, look how good we are. We're like, we're sinners. Come and join us. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to hurt each other, but God's good. Like we celebrate that we're in process. So don't get offended if someone next to you has hurt you. Keep coming, keep praising God. Something so powerful about praising God together with other broken people. Because when we're praising God, it takes our eyes off of the mud and it puts them on His promises. It reminds us of actually, He is my only hope. 
He is the one who delivers me. That's why we praise, we, we sing about Him and we declare His goodness in the land of the living. We declare His goodness even when I'm in the mud and I'm in the muck and I'm in the mire. When I lift my eyes to Him, it serves this beautiful purpose of realising I need Him. And it humbles us before the Lord. Friends, this is why Sundays matter. It's why life groups matter. It's why youth group matters. It's why reading God's Word with our children matters. It's why children's ministry matters. This is why we run programs as a church and provide opportunities to gather is because praising God with the people of God is so important. And it helps to lift our eyes. Amen? Let's be intentional because that intentional time is what helps to transform. Number three, let the Word do its work. Let the Word do its work. You know, in this psalm, he sits there and he talks about, uh, I desire to do your will, my God. Your law is within my heart. Sometimes people get sick and tired of me telling them to read the Bible. <laughs> like, don't give me a token answer of reading the Bible. It's not a token answer. It's a part of putting the car in first gear. It's a part of the basics of what it means to the journeying the Christian life. Keep reading the Word. You say, well, I'm getting nothing out of the Word. That's okay. Keep going. You know, I've come to God that many times like, God, I'm not getting anything out of this time. He's like, that's okay. I've got your time. I've got something out of it. I've got your attention. And because I've got your attention, I can begin to renew your mind. You know, we need to be transformed by the renewing of our mind and the renewing of our mind is not going to be instantaneous or momentary. It's going to be a lifetime because we need to wait patiently on God. We've got to keep crying out, yes? Look at the promises of God. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Psalm 119. Truly I say to you, anyone who keeps my word will never see death. John 8, 51. Wow, what a promise. How do we keep his word? We actually have to know his word. John 17, sanctify them in your truth. Your word is truth. We live in a world where truth is being eradicated, where lies are everywhere. How do we know the truth? You've got to be in the truth, which is the word. Take up the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Ephesians 6, the word of God is a two-edged sword. Do you ever think about that? Reading the word, it's not just a religious activity. Every time you open the word, it's like pulling out, sharpening the sword. Against the enemy. What a powerful image. Psalm 119, I have stored up your word in my heart. Are we storing up the word in our heart? Now, church, I know, I know the home edit on Netflix is really good. You know, I know that you want to know what Blair's up to in Gossip Girl. I know, I know there's a lot that we can fill our minds with and there's a lot of really important stuff on television that we need to get in our hearts. But can I tell you, there is something far more important that will sustain us for the journey and it's here and it is a gift to us. It is God's very word to His people. What if we chose to prioritise this for just 10 minutes a day even? And what if 10 became 12 and 12 became 15? What if we listened to it instead of listening to Hamish and Andy, although they're hilarious and they're great? Like, what if we got this in our hearts? What would it do for us? 
What if we chose to put it back in first and get back to the basics and prioritise reading the Word of God? This is why as a church, we're doing a Bible reading plan. If you haven't been following, that's fine. Pick it up tomorrow. Just jump on. We're almost finished Second Kings. Just jump into the journey. It's awesome. It's so good just immersing every day in the Word of God. I'm gonna keep going. Number four, come back to confession. Psalm 40, verse nine to 13. I proclaim your saving acts in the great assembly. I do not seal my lips, Lord, as you know. I do not hide your righteousness in my heart. I speak of your faithfulness and your saving help. I do not conceal your love and your faithfulness from the great assembly. Do not withhold your mercy from me, Lord. May your love and faithfulness Always protect me for troubles without number surround me. My sins have overtaken me and I cannot see. They are more than the hairs of my head and my heart fails within me. Be pleased to save me, Lord. Come quickly, Lord, to help me. As a church, as the church, I think as the Western church as a whole, we, like, we've gone so far away from this place of confession Again, because we feel like I need to come to church and pretend like I have it all together. But the church was supposed to be the place where we confess our sins one unto another so that we might actually receive the mercy of God. If we never come to God with our confession, with our need, if we're never open, vulnerable and transparent with someone at least in our life, that sin has a way of just getting in it, has a way of, you know, twisting and turning and bitterness can set in like the enemy will get a stronghold when we live in the dark but when we bring what is dark into the light the darkness must flee I've never been in a place where I've come into a room in the middle of the day and someone said hey can you just turn the darkness on please anybody no because you turn a light on and when there is light darkness disappears Darkness can never, ever, ever overthrow light. It doesn't happen. You shine light into the darkness, the darkness flees. That's what confession is. Confession is shining light into the darkness that the darkness might be exposed and truth might be revealed. And guess what happens when truth is revealed? People get set. What'd you say? Free. For the truth will set you free. I don't know about you. I want to live in freedom. I don't want to live in this constant feeling of I have to be hiding something. No, I want to live in freedom. I want to be just like, hey, open book. Let's run in the freedom that God has bought for me by walking in the truth and living in the light. And a part of that is coming back to confession. I was with someone just the other day. and We had this beautiful moment where we turned to Psalm 51. Anyone know Keith Green here? Anyone remember Keith Green's version of this? Created me a clean heart. Oh, I can hear his voice right now. <laughs> Creating me a clean. Listen to, listen to David. This is David, a man after God's own heart who did a stupid thing. And he says, have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion. He knows the character of God because he's hidden the word of God in his heart. So he's not afraid to come to confession because he knows who God is. Yeah. Can you see it? 
wash away my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. And he goes on and on, cleanse me with hyssop and I'll be clean. Wash me and I'll be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you've crushed rejoice. Create in me a pure heart, O God. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Then I, then I, that confession releases him to go and be who God's called him to be. Number five, which leads us beautifully into number five. Last point. Remember to rejoice. Hey, remember to rejoice. Psalm 40, 16, 17. But may all who seek you rejoice. Someone say rejoice. Rejoice. Say it louder. And be glad in you. May those who long for your saving help always say the Lord is great. Now listen, David's talking from the context. I've been in the muck and the mire. I've been stuck in the mud. May those who long for your saving help, I long for your help. I'm still in the mud. I'm longing for your help. May they say the Lord is great. That's prioritising praise. But as for me, I am poor and needy. May the Lord think of me. You are my help. You are my deliverer. You are my God. Do not delay. Guys, remember to rejoice. No matter what is going on in life, there is always, always, always reason to rejoice. When you are in the worst moment, there is reason to rejoice. There is always a moment. I love to tell the story of my dear friend, Chris Shee, who would just be like, I woke up this morning and therefore I'm going to be happy. I'd say, he'd go, how are you, mate? I'd be like, not bad. He'd go, not bad? What's not bad? Are you good or are you bad? Which one is it? I'd be like, well, I suppose I'm, I suppose I'm all right. He goes, all right. What's all right? He goes, you woke up this morning, chap. You woke up. There's sun in the sky. You've got reason to be happy and celebrate. I'm like, oh, wow, you're really over the top. I thought I was energetic. (laughs) But the premise of the, like what he's speaking about is that, hey, there is always a reason to rejoice. And as a church, we must never, ever, ever forget that, yeah? Never forget there is reason to rejoice. It's why, you know, I don't know why we built this building this way. That was a long time ago. But in my mind, it's why we have a window there. Because no matter what's going on in your day, you look out and you see the trees and creation declares the glory of God. And you're like, all right, well, if creation's going to do it, I should do it too. This is how we enter the presence of God. Uh, Flick read it this morning, Psalm 100, enter his gates with, doesn't say enter his gates with doom and gloom. It says enter his gates with thanksgiving the context of a discipleship journey. I've walked a long way. I've been through many dangers, trials and snares. You know, I've gone through all of that, but to enter his presence, I enter with thanksgiving. I choose thanksgiving. And I think as a church, the church has to choose thanksgiving more and more and more. That we would truly be a people who rejoice. Rejoicing is the means through which we remind our souls who is on the throne. Let me say that again, because you didn't write it down and you should have. Rejoicing is the means through which we remind our souls who is on the throne. Remember to rejoice. Caitlin, you can come up. We're going we're gonna to close in, in a second, but as we close... I just want to share just a couple of personal things with you. 
In Psalm 42, verse 11, two chapters on, it says this. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise Him, my Saviour and my God. He's in the mud. He's in the mire. And yet He says, why? I'm going to choose to rejoice. You know, when we were on holidays and I was just thinking about all the stuff that's happening in the life of this church and for the first couple of days thinking, man, how the heck is this going to happen? I felt the Lord lead me to Joshua chapter 3. And I want to take us there. And just, is that okay if I just bring you into a moment? In Joshua 3, 3 and 5, this is where I felt the Lord led me. It said, When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the Levitical priest carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you will know which way to go since you have never been this way before. Then you will know which way to go since you have never been this way before. So we've got to follow the Ark of God. Then we will know which way to go since we've never been this way before. And then in verse 5, it said this, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. I got so encouraged. So I was like, okay, I feel like the Lord's calling us into a season of consecration, a season of being set aside, a season of maybe even some stripping back, a season of getting back to the basics, consecrating ourselves before the Lord, And tomorrow, we're going to see the Lord do great things in our midst. We've already seen the Lord do great things in our midst. We can rejoice. But I believe, I saw this picture as I read this of like the hand of God taking a page and just turning it. It It's like it's been a long chapter. It's been a chapter of change. It's been a chapter of navigating difficulty. It's been confusing at times, but I'm turning the page. And as I turn the page, I'm inviting the church into a season of consecration for tomorrow, I'm going to do great things among you. And we need to consecrate ourselves because He's going to take us to a place where we have not been before. And I got so encouraged by that. And then in that moment, I saw this another picture and we're going to, Put the image, it's, this isn't the image I saw, but I tried to YouTube an image that would match the one in my mind and this will do, if we can put that up there now. And I saw the image of a potter at his wheel and I was instantly reminded of Jeremiah 18. You see, in Jeremiah 18, Jeremiah is in a jam. He's stuck in the mud. And the Word of the Lord comes to Jeremiah and he says, go down to the potter's house and there I will give you my message. So I went down to the potter's house and I saw him working at the wheel. But the pot he was shaping from the clay was marred in his hands. So the potter formed it into another pot, shaping it as seemed best to him. And I had a little moment there where I was like, oh, I often will tell God what I want Him to do for me. I don't often go to Him and say, you do what seems best to you. 
Then the word of the Lord came to me. He said, Can I not do with you, Israel, as this potter does, declares the Lord. Like clay in the hand of the potter, so are you in my hand. I was reminded in this moment that we are all mud, born from clay. The life we have is because of the breath of God, but we are all just mud. That's what we are. Here today, gone tomorrow. And I think sometimes when we talk about the basics, what we've just talked about, sometimes it can feel a bit like we're on a wheel. And when we're looking at our circumstance, like picture the clay, be the clay for a moment. When your eyes are looking around at your circumstance, it's just like looking at the mud and it can feel like you're going around and around and around and around and around. And you're like, nothing's changing. I feel like I'm doing the same old thing day after day after day, nothing's changing. Where is God in the midst of all of this? But if we shift perspective and we come to the Word and the promises of God and we look up and we look at it from the potter's perspective as He's sitting there and we're in His hands, we realise that while we are mud, we are, being, we are becoming a jar of clay. And the great thing about becoming a jar of clay, who knows it, is what God does with jars of clay. Because what God does with jars of clay is He doesn't just chuck them in the cupboard and go another jar. No, the Bible says that with jars of clay, God puts His treasure in them. We have a treasure in jars of clay. But the only way we become a jar of clay is if we sit on the wheel, if we put ourselves in His hands. And as we posture ourselves on the wheel and we commit to going around and around and around and around, submitting ourselves to His hands, He will do the work. He's the one who will do the sanctifying. He's the one who will do the consecrating. He is the one who will do the forming and the shaping and the moulding and the changing. He is the one who will do the great things. He is the one who will bring about the changes we so desperately need in our own lives. He is the one. But it happens as we subject ourselves and submit ourselves to the wheel. And the tendency when we feel stuck is to get off the wheel. But if we get off the wheel, we're just a piece of mud on the ground. But on the wheel, in His hands, we're a jar and the jar gets treasure. And the treasure is the Gospel. And the Gospel is to the ends of the earth. I don't know about you, I wanna be a jar of clay. Anyone? I wanna keep myself on that wheel, no matter how hard it can seem at times, no matter how much sometimes it feels like we're going, around and around and around. I know that He who began a good work is faithful and He will bring it to completion. Amen. He who began a good work. Do you believe God has begun a good work in your life? He's faithful. He's a patient potter and He's doing the work. So submit to the will. Let me finish with this. Galatians 6, 9. Let us not become weary in doing good for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Keep running. Keep going. I don't know who I'm speaking to this morning. Keep going. Keep going. Stay on the wheel. God's good. He's faithful. He's true. He's just. 
don't believe it, find someone in this room and talk to them about the faithfulness of God. There's some old saints in this place who've been through hell and back. And I'll tell you what, they'll have a testimony that says God is good. Come on, somebody. Any saints in the place who can testify to the goodness of God? Some of you don't like the fact that I call you saints, but that's what you are, scripturally speaking. Any saints in the place who can testify that God is good? The wheel isn't easy, but God is good. 2 Corinthians 4, 16 to 18. Therefore, we do not lose heart, Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. God is good. It's okay to get stuck. Just stay on the wheel and let God draw you up the mountain into His presence. Amen. Would you stand to your feet? today if you would love to pray I have that on my heart for whatever it is you'd love prayer for we'd love to encourage you we have elders who would love to pray with you we have just any of the ministers in this house who would love to pray with you Uh, we've got our prayer corner at the back feel free to come let's pray we're going to worship but I really want to encourage us let's let's stay on the wheel for God is good Loving Heavenly Father, we thank You that You are good. We praise You that You are good. We honour You for You are good. We worship You for You are good. We thank You that You are faithful. We thank You that last weekend we celebrated the ultimate act of a faithful God pursuing His people to the very end. Thank You that You rose from the grave to set sinners free, to make us saints, to draw us into heavenly places with Christ, to empower us with purpose, to put in us a treasure that we might run with perseverance this race marked out for us. And so Lord, right now we come and we consecrate ourselves before You. We submit, Lord, to that life of discipleship, to following You, because we don't know where we're going, but we know You're taking us to a place we haven't been before. And that place will be for Your glory and for Your good. So humbly we come. We love You. We surrender our lives afresh to You. In the precious Name of Jesus and all God's children said, Amen. If you would like to pray with anyone, just either turn to the person next to you and pray, come forward for prayer, go to the back to pray. Thanks for listening to the Hills Baptist Podcast. If you'd like to partner with us in developing and equipping passionate disciples who love God, love people and boldly share the gospel, you can do that at hillsbaptist.com forward slash giving.
We pray this message has empowered you to live and love more like Jesus. Have an amazing day.